This week on Prepping 2.0. A word that I absolutely hate hearing is this is your hobby. The word hobby, I absolutely detest in the prepping context. It's not a hobby. It's saving your life and the life of people you love. When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0 with authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready. Prepping 2.0 coming in three, two. Welcome, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0, joined by my co-host on the show and co-host in life, Glenn Tate. Learning from your mistakes is perhaps the best way to learn. Learning from other people's mistakes is even better. Today, you can learn from prepping fails we've made and our Patreons provide their prepping fails. And as always, remember, the only thing harder than planning for a disaster is explaining why you didn't. Oh, gosh. And one great thing to help you plan for a disaster, honestly, folks, is making sure you have your water preps in order. What does that mean? Making sure that you have a way to hold, store, and treat treat water. How can you do that? That can get really overwhelming. I totally suggest you go over to our website, prepping2-0.com. Click on Friends and Affiliates. Right there towards the top, you'll see Pro One Water Filters. They will help you get all of that in order, whether it be for an emergency situation, camping situation, whole house situation, all of the situations. They will make sure that you can check that off your prepping chores to be done. Top 10 items that disappear first. This list comes from Bosnia Survivors. It is available on our website, prepping2-0.com, under the appropriately titled heading, Top 100 List of Things. This week, it's number 32, Garden Seeds. Uh, Shelby, do you have anything to say about Garden Seeds? Oh, gosh. I kind of have gotten the full bore garden bug in my head this year. I've been experimenting, working with it. And, oh, my gosh, Survival Garden Seeds has been the best help with that. They have provided us awesome, open-pollinated, non-GMO heirloom seeds, and we have had a bumper crop this year. We're excited about the preps that we get to do with that, and they will help you not only get seeds from them, but how to store them, how to harvest seeds from them, and keep your crops going. Totally recommend them. Go over to our website, and you'll get a nice little discount code. That's right. Here's what you missed from a recent after show if you're not a Patreon. I would say that the supply chain is starting to recover, but I'm concerned about future events that could affect the supply chain. Obviously, things going around in, you know, Southeast Asia and Eastern Europe right now could really affect the supply chain even more. And I think that we haven't really seen all of the effects of the economic shutdown. There's so much more to this show than the regular show. Find out what you're missing for a whopping $2 a month. And now, let's get into it. You want practical prepping tips in bite-sized pieces with tons of variety? You're in the right place. That's what we do in this episode. Shelby, why don't you start off? This is titled Prepping Fails, Ours and Yours. Let's give the listeners one of our prepping fails to kick it off, and then we'll probably go straight into all of the amazing Patreon comments where they give us some of their prepping fails. So what is one of Glenn and Shelby's prepping fails? Because we're not perfect. So this is one of the morning coffee discussions that Mm -hmm. we had regarding this. Based on a true story. Based on a true story. I'm going to beat this horse a little bit, but there's a reason why I'm going to start off. You've all heard us talk about and moan about living in a blue state for too long. Mm-hmm. And we didn't realize until we've had this kind of time to sit back and reflect this on that. This red state nirvana. Exactly. So our prepping mistake is we stayed there too long trying to make it work, that we could stay there and be there. It's interesting, when we were there in Western Washington, trying to make it work and realizing as onerous laws and regulations were coming. And people increasingly became lamer and lamer. Yeah, that's not a prepping fail, but it becomes bluer and bluer. Your neighbors become bluer and bluer. The laws around you, the police forces, the deputies around you become bluer and bluer. And it feels less and less safe. It feels less and less free. And you kind of put up with it for a long time. And then as we're doing our show and living our lives and all that, we would see comments from people who live in red states who are like, what are you, what talk- are you, guys what are you talking about? That doesn't happen. Yes. It, <laughs> and now we get that. We get both sides of that coin. Now that we live in a red state in a rural community, it's like Antifa. Who's that? Who are they again? Yeah. 
And some people would pronounce it wrong because they never heard it because it wasn't like a daily thing that they had to worry about. I wanted to bring up hindsight because this is an important point when it comes to learning from your mistakes. Hindsight is a good thing and a bad thing. The bad part, let's do that first. The bad part of hindsight is when you beat yourself up and you say, golly, I should have known that Bitcoin was going to crash in value. I mean, well, okay, that's a bad example because it was pretty obvious that was going to happen. But you can beat yourself up with hindsight. That's not what we're talking about here. But we are going to acknowledge hindsight in our own lives when it comes to learning from our mistakes. That is to say, we will say, It made sense at the time. Turns out it didn't make sense. But here's the lesson. The lesson is what didn't make sense. And so we're not going to trip ourselves up on hindsight. And I think the example you've given of one of our fails, which is staying too long in a blue state, is a classic example of hindsight. It sort of made sense at the time, although we were trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. So we were trying way too hard to make it work. It's like We were in an abusive relationship with our blue state and we kept saying, he'll stop drinking if I just be nicer to him. And so, yeah, I mean, you're trying. I mean, that's a good thing, but we should have realized this wasn't going to work earlier. And so we're owning this failure of ours. And we think people can learn from it because if you're in a blue state, now's the time to skedaddle. So it's interesting because there's a page that I follow. I won't say who it is. It's a prepper, homesteader person and she's in western Washington as well and she and her husband live out there and she's like why are we staying in here in Washington state and it's all when I watch that on her YouTube channel it's all the same things we said it's because we have ties here we have property here we've got roots here we've got all the things here to vest too we've got all and we get that here's the thing though too even though that was one of our mistakes we get that we had some of those same things we had put down some deep roots we wanted children to stay in their schools we had family ties we get all of that I still think it was a prepping failure on our part because had we been able to come here to Montana sooner, we could have gotten so much more done. And we could have bought a house for much cheaper. That's one of the other things to keep in mind when you're thinking about whether you should make the journey to a red state. Housing prices are not going to get that much cheaper. I know there's been a dip in prices now, but there's correspondingly a dip in the price of the house you're trying to sell in your and blue interest state. interest rates are wonky. Exactly. So it's not going to get easier. It's not going to get cheaper the later you go. So we've beaten that horse mm-hmm. to death. But when we sat around talking about this this morning, that was our biggest mm-hmm. fail that we came up with. And this being part one of part two, this is such a great topic. And we had so many great Patreon comments. We're going to have two shows on this topic. We're going to give you our other prepping fail as the first topic we talk about in part two of this, and it's going to be a humdinger. It's going to be a little controversial, and I think people are going to learn a lot about it. Well, let's get on to the Patreon comments where we have their prepping fails. We have 34 of them, which is amazing. Oh, and I'd like to add in homage to our Patreons. I put up this post like two days ago. I said, hey, on Saturday, we're going to be recording this. And these folks got this stuff out really, really quickly. So thank you very much. Well, so what's the first one, Shelby? First one is from Ray Jensen. I'm going to just put this out there, too. Lots of new Patreons are commenting. Yeah, I love it when new Patreons comment. So we appreciate that. Ray Jensen says, not noticing the salt content of commercially prepared long-term foods (laughs) freeze-dried I can still eat them, but it would complicate my blood pressure. And then he goes on to say, now I have a Harvest Stripe freeze dryer, make my own. Absolutely. So I'm going to let Glenn comment and yeah. then I'm going to comment. Let's unpack this comment. There are several good points in here. Salt content of commercially prepared foods. I understand Ray has high blood pressure, so this is not really directed at him. This is directed at people that don't have high blood well, pressure. Well, and this is directed at, sadly, most of America over 55. <laughs> yeah. So. But you're going to need more salt in a situation where you're having to be very much more physically active, a disruption, as we've been calling it lately. You're going to need more salt than you normally do because you're going to be more physically active. So that's why I say this doesn't apply to Ray. If you have high blood pressure, maybe a little bit more salt is actually bad for you. But for most people, it's not awful. And he mentions commercially prepared long-term foods. Yes, that is something that needs to be one of the layers in your food preps system. 
And then he talks about blood pressure, and we've talked about uh, ways to get more blood pressure medication or medication of any kind to try to store up on it. Maybe, Ray, in a disruption, you've stored some blood pressure medication up and you go on half rations or something like that. You're watching your salt intake. You have to manage the situation and you have to play the cards you've been dealt. And you can't say, I wish, I wish, I wish. You just have to deal with it. And, you know, blood pressure is obviously something that would shorten your life, but it's not going to kill you. So keep that in mind. I mean, if in a really bad situation, you know, it's like, well, am I going to die from high blood pressure? Am I going to die from starving to death? I'm going to go with high blood pressure. So I love this because it is a very practical thing. And we were able to pack in several topics in this one comment. And I think one of the solutions to that problem, he absolutely hits it, a harvest right freeze dry. Oh, 100%. We talked about that. And again, it's one of our earlier episodes and it has stood the test of time. One of the great things about freeze drying your own food is you can take out some of those ingredients that you don't like. Like gluten. Gluten, salt, sugar, all all of those things that you don't want in your food, you can take it out and create your own food source, which is awesome. So I think that's a very practical way to do that as well. So I agree with Glenn. Yes, all of these health things that we all hit as we get older, we have to manage them. One of the awesome solutions is also creating your own food source as well. So, And when it comes to ingredients in food that you may not want, a thing to keep in mind is there may be people eating your food who aren't you Mm -hmm. voluntarily. You're allowing them to eat your food. This is not, I mean, we don't care about the high blood pressure of looters, right? I mean, who cares? So this could be family members that may have dietary restrictions or conversely, they may not have dietary restrictions. So if you've got a bunch of salty food and salt's not good for you, don't throw out the salty food because it may be your grandkids who can totally handle all the salt. So just remember It's not just you, it could be other people. And that's a big deal. We have gluten-free food for me, and then there's a ton of gluten-full food, a term I just made up. I try to make up one term. Check Check that box, Yeah, per show. But it's for other people. So always keep that in mind. Then this is looking at prepping as a holistic thing, not focusing on one dimensional thing. And again, we're not accusing Ray of doing that. We're just saying, don't just get one dimensional. Mm -hmm. Think about, all these things. And the cool thing is you have time now to think about it. A point we made with the last episode with Chris on the I'm coming to your house problem, problem for preppers. And that is you want to think about these complicated things now and not at the last minute or not commit to something like throwing away all your salty food. And then, you know, you got a bunch of grandkids that come by. So anyway, there we have it. I think we've handled that I comment think so. And I think well. that's a great comment because I think a lot of people struggle with that too, especially as we get older. So, yep, that's me. A new Patreon. We love it. Thank yes. you. Thank you, Yup. If I may call you by your abbreviated name but of Yup. You have a new nickname, Yup. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep says, prepping fail, having your batteries hooked up to a load inverter without a load disconnect, which slowly drains them, then freeze. If batteries are not in use, leave them fully charged and disconnected. I'm going to let, this is your bailiwick, sir. Well, I don't have that much bailiwick to add to the bailiwick. (laughs) This makes sense to me. I can kind of follow along. One great thing about batteries, and it is very important how you store them, and different batteries need to be stored in different ways. That's both temperature and both being fully loaded and being, you know, halfway discharged and being fully discharged. There are all kinds of YouTube videos on battery basics, and I highly recommend everybody look into them because the worst thing would be, aha, I prepared, I have all these batteries. And you go and you open them and they're corroded or they're down to half strength or whatever it may be. One great thing is having rechargeable batteries. Costco used to sell them really cheap and they would give you a pack. They had double A's, triple A's, C's, D's. I think that was it, but it was like 20 bucks and you can just keep those empty and then charge them in a 110 volt wall charger situation. Presumably you have a generator or access to you know regular electricity. But anyway, I highly just recommend the YouTube videos 
on battery basics, it's a classic example of a topic that you never think about in peacetime because if you don't have batteries, you just go to the store or you go to Costco and you get a bunch of them and you just leave them lying around and what could go wrong? The answer is over time and with temperature fluctuations, quite a bit can go wrong. So it's another thing you need to take into account. Oh, and to add to that, everything right now, just recharge it, just plug it in, it's just charge it. Everything is charged, right? You plug your phone in, you plug this in, you plug that in. Think about five years ago, how often you would put batteries in something as compared to now. Yeah, which brings up another great point, And that is if you're in the recharging world of things charging with USB or USB-C chargers, or USB mini chargers, be sure and have the adapter cords. You can't have too many of those. We have a tub, it's a small tub in our house with just extra cords. We probably should make it a bigger tub though, because it's getting full. It's getting pretty full. But you know, things are only as good as the adapter cords. And I got a feeling that when there's a major disruption, people are gonna say, aha, I'm squared away. And they go, there's nothing worse than that feeling of you're putting your charging cord into your phone or whatever it may be, and it doesn't fit. That is a terrible feeling. (laughs) And when your life depends on it, it could be more than a terrible feeling. It could be one of the last feelings you have. So systems, everybody, you knew I was gonna say it. How long into this episode will Glenn go without saying the word systems? Everything is a system. Electricity is a system. Batteries, charging cables, how you store things. It all takes thought now, and there are tons of free resources out there to get you up to speed on these things. Take the time you've been given. You've been given a gift of time. Use it wisely. Yep, that's me. Great. Uh, Yeah, great, great comment. We have Arizona Resistance Man. Renaissance Man. Oh, Renaissance. I saw Resistance. Sorry, I was... Uh, Let me pause you right there. Yes. Before we go any further. Yes. Glenn had an eye surgery this week. The fourth one in 10 months. So we're done with those. (laughs) Yeah. But things are still a little... Needles in eyeballs, not cool. We're done with those. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there might be some mispronunciations as he's trying to read the screen. short distances. I know for the first time in my life have reader glasses, but I was very heartened by a TV ad I saw with Dan Marino, quarterback legend for the Miami Dolphins, joking about his reader glasses. So if it's okay for Dan Marino, it's okay for me. I know Sting wears them. Oh, really? Well, I don't like Sting. I think he's cool. Anyway, really? next, yeah, read your question well, and, and I'll start the answer. I think yeah. he's overrated. Arizona Renaissance man, thank you for the correction, says, this is very common, folks. I am great at accumulating supplies and resources, but really fall short in the organizing part of it. Shelby has her hand up. We could probably count that as one of our fails as well. Well we, put. You've heard us do shows on this. You've heard us talk about this. I've done a few videos for Patreons on this on getting organized. And then when you move, all of that goes poof. I mean, literally oh, yeah. goes poof right out the window. I don't know about literally, but it does go poof. Okay. It does go poof. Figuratively. Figuratively. Goes poof. Sorry. He hates the misuse. I hate the misuse of the word literally. I need to get over it. I need to get caught up with the current times he, and the current language. He hates it so much. He'll interrupt me in uh, the middle of a radio very program. Rude of, yes, very so, rude of me. Very much. It stresses us out. It puts you behind. We totally get that. And I want to just put it out there and say it publicly. During our recent Patreon weekend, some folks helped us. You know who you are. You know who you are. This is a shout out to you. Thank you so much. Huge, enormous help. Because there was a lot of moving of very, very heavy things and moving parts and pieces. That box has been checked. So I highly recommend, yes, getting organized is a huge part. And you've heard us talk about it time and time again. I recommend also pulling in some and fellow prepping help. Who you can trust who you to can trust show your stuff to. And do it for each other. I highly recommend. And we were able to experience that. Totally recommend. I want to emphasize this thing about accumulating supplies and not organizing them. One of the things that we have, it's a first world problem, but one of the things that we have in this country currently is the buy it now phenomenon, especially with Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah. And you can just buy it now. You click a little box. It's relatively inexpensive and it comes to your house. And that's step one is getting the stuff. Step two is putting away in a place where you know where it is. And I'm not a big fan of trying to remember a ton of details. I have a bunch of post-it notes around me. 
and I'm pretty structured because especially with my day job, I have a lot of things to remember and there are big consequences if I don't forget things like statutes of limitation lapsing and things like that. So you have to force yourself to be organized. And we were talking about Dan Marino and reading glasses. Don't think that you're old or worthless or decrepit if you have to write stuff down on post-it notes. You're winning when you do that because you're getting stuff done. And the times that I try to save time are the times that I end up wasting time. And by that, I mean, when I sit there and I have something uh, today, I had an important document in my hand and I needed to go take the garbage out. No, I didn't put the important document in the garbage, but I was going to set down the important document to quote, save time, save about five steps. Well, if I would have done that, there's a good chance I would have forgot to have brought the important document with me. And then I make a trip into town and I got to come back for it. And you can see how much time I wasted by trying to save time. So you have to organize your stuff. You have to be able to find it. And then a subset of being able to find it is you have to store it in the right place under the right conditions. We were just talking about batteries. This applies to food, for example. It should be off the ground. It shouldn't be on cement. I guess that's not really a subset, but part of the storing it, you have to have a plan for where you're going to store it and how you're going to store it. And you shouldn't have to move stuff to get to other stuff. I mean, ideally, you shouldn't have to, because if you have to move stuff to get to stuff, you're not going to get to the stuff that's hard to get to. And so you have to think all this stuff out and give yourself an hour, whatever it takes. Oh, gosh, maybe more, maybe yeah, a whole weekend to figure this stuff out. And don't be afraid to sketch it. I mean, do a little diagram. I mean, here's where the rows are. Here's where I put the heavy stuff on the bottom, the medium stuff in the medium tier and the light stuff on top. Those sorts of time expenditures that you make are going to pay off enormously. I did. And I'm wondering if it'll be worth it. I did a long time ago, a brief video. I think it's out there on Facebook somewhere on how we use Sortly. S-O-R-T-L-Y. It's an app. And yes, we pay for it. Yeah, that 60 bucks a year. Totally right. worth it. It keeps track of our, we know what's in every single one of our food tubs. So when I look at a tub and I see three letters on it, I'm like, I don't know what's in it. I pull up Sortly. I know what's in it. And to add to that, Sortly is even better than what you just described, because with Sortly, you can print out an inventory and we use pictures. We use UPC codes. You can scan for most products, the can, let's say it's a can of chili and it pops up and it's got a picture of it and you can have then an inventory. Let's say there are three chilies two cans of pears and three cans of cherry pie filling, which would not be great for Ray given his, uh, well, no, or that's for diabetes. you actually because yeah, of the diabetes, sugar. Right. Yeah, that's not a good thing. And it prints it out and it's got the pictures there. Why do you need pictures? Number one, you may not be the person looking at the inventory. What if, and it's easy to plan for these things. These are not crazy contingencies. What if the person looking at the inventory doesn't read English? Right. I mean, it's a concern. Yeah, It's easy to take care of these things. Well, I think you should take us out because we are just getting warmed up. Oh, with gosh, these we've awesome gone through what, two or three questions. Yeah. We have so much more and there's so much more on organization, folks. We just want to kind of tease that out and agree with you. So many of these fails we've experimented with ourselves and experienced. So, folks, we have so much more to talk about on the other side of the break. Don't go away. More Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. Without water, you're done in three days. Pro One Water Filters. It's literally a matter of life and wet. Pro One G 2.0 All-in-One Gravity Systems are NSF ANSI 42 Component Certified. Not everybody can say that. No need for additional add-on filters to reduce fluoride. Pro One Stainless Gravity Systems include a stainless steel spigot and a countertop stand for no additional cost. Pro One Water Filter Gravity Systems. Check them out at ProOneUSA.com. That's P-R-O-O-N-E. USA.com. Most tested, most trusted. Prepping 2.0 is about that next level of prepping. One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. 
Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for Come and Take It, makes solid and affordable body armor for normal people. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. When the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself. And save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com. Click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times, the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love Numana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com. In a tactical situation, your AR is your life. Gibbs Arms makes a sweet feature, the only side charger that can use a standard bolt carrier group with no modification. Gibbs makes them in 9mm, 5.56, and 308. In fact, Gibbs Arms has been granted eight patents for unique innovations. The company started back in 2008 when two Boeing engineers realized no one else made what they wanted. Take a look at their website and see all the ways Gibbs Arms can help you mod your AR. Gibbs with a Z, arms.com. That's G-I-B-B-Z-A-R-M-S.com. Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Welcome back, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher. Thanks for rejoining us. We're just getting started with our conversation about prepping fails. We've made, you've made, we've all made, we're all going to learn from today. For even more, stick around for the after show. If you're a Patreon supporter, we're carrying on the conversation with you. like to tell you about Ammo.com. They are not a sponsor. They are just cool guys, and there's a great discount code they have going on. If you go to ammo.com slash Chris, spelled the traditional way, C-H-R-I-S, you will get $20 off your first order of $200 or more. The topic of stocking up on ammo is going to be coming up in some of our Patreon comments, and there's no better time and place to stock up on ammo like ammo.com. Ammo prices very rarely go down, and having it is critical and you can get a little bit at a time there's shipping costs so consider that i think a case at a time is probably the way to go it's a thousand rounds for most stuff ammo.com slash chris is a great way to jumpstart your ammo preps archive dive of the week episode 84 which aired june of 2020 all the good old days june of 2020 remember that it was power film solar with Seth. Seth came on. Powerfilm Solar has all kinds of kind of low energy, I would say, solar products, everything from flashlights that have a little solar strip on them to this really innovative, very, very cool. There's a video bonus show uh, for Patreons on this. This flexible tarp-like solar panel thing and they've got all the connectors figured out to make it really easy you don't need to be an electrical engineer in order to use their products they have a lot of military contracts the idea is 
reconnaissance units and other folks that need just a little bit of power to power a computer, maybe flashlights, maybe other small electronics. You can't run, you know, a refrigerator on this kind of stuff, but you probably don't need to. So highly recommend that. There's a million uses for it. Very sturdy, made in the United States. Good stuff. Well, we wanted to resume our Patreon comments. They are so doggone good. Next one is Stephen Richardson, and he says one of his fails is buying too much freeze-dried food. I even tasted it at the time of purchase. It seemed okay then, but when I tried it a few years later, it was so terrible it was inedible. Now I store mostly canned foods, etc. At this point, everything is moving so fast, long-term storage seems no longer necessary. Going to disagree with you slightly, Stephen. I think that long-term freeze-dried food is a necessary layer. I love, though, that you tested it when you purchased it. Now, it turned out okay, but now it's not as okay. So you can kind of pause your freeze-dried purchases. And I'm guessing it was not new mana, by the way, which we find to be absolutely fantastic. But you've switched over to mostly canned foods, which is great. There's no playbook you have to follow. It isn't just what Glenn and Shelby come up with. We're very open about that. We say what's worked for us and why. And in this show, we're saying what didn't work for us and why. So I love that you tested stuff. I think that you may just, for whatever reason, some of the freeze-dried food that you had after a while didn't seem awesome. Maybe too much water or too little water can affect that. Maybe there was a a pinhole in it and maybe it got some moisture in there. Not sure. I can say this though, Stephen, that most folks do not have the same reaction to freeze-dried food that you seem to be having, but you know, folks should consider it and go test their freeze-dried food and maybe switch over to something else that works better for them. I'll add to that. Freeze-dried food is supposed to and has and has a long, solid history of testing and being able to last for a long time. So if that is what's going on with you, Stephen, I would start asking myself, this is where I go. I don't think it's a fail yet, in other words. Is it how you're storing it? Is it the moisture content where you live? Bad batch? Problem solve it a little bit first because freeze-dried food is a tried and true way to do long-term storage of foods. On the other hand, too, so is canned food for that matter. So if you want to just stick to that solution, there's no shame in that game. But I don't want anyone to think that, that, uh uh-oh, can't do it because of that. No, problem solve it a little bit. There is some, just like with canned food, there needs to be good conditions. We found out this last winter. Here's a small fail on our part. Yeah. Storing canned food. No, the failure was Montana having very cold winters. Right. The state climate is what failed, not us. Well, when we moved here... We shoved everything into a building and closed the doors because winter was coming and we didn't keep it temperature controlled like we should have. So we had a few exploding cans. Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying, you know, canned food also, there's no perfection in any storage weight, but I just feel like with freeze dried foods, it shouldn't go bad like that. So, and I think there's some problem solving to be done. And another thing Stephen mentioned, he makes an important point. He says at this point, everything is moving so fast, long-term storage seems no longer necessary. I still think it is necessary. We're big fans of layering as we've described earlier. You can adjust, obviously you can do whatever you want because we're not the boss of you, but I mean, you can adjust based on durations as you see things going. I will say that we thought in 2020, stuff was very, very imminent because of all the disruptions and nonsense that was going on. And we acted accordingly. And it turns out we were wrong about 2020. We're not saying that everything's going to be hunky-dory, but we're just saying that we made some decisions. I think we're going to cover this more on part two. We're going to get in depth on this about the 2020 buying spree, for lack of a better term, and some of the ramifications of that. So yes, consider the duration of stuff you'll need. But you know, You might need long-term freeze-dried food for quite some time because situations may not normalize as quickly as you'd like. And always remember, always remember with all prepping items, barter. There is a barter component. Let's say your freeze-dried food tastes terrible to you. You can always barter it and get something that you want. And you can decide morally if you want to tell people, yeah, here you go. But this stuff tastes really awful. I mean, you're probably you're not going to say that. Awful tasting food tastes good. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, always think of the barter aspect of stuff. If you've got it 
and you've stored it in an organized way so you can find it, it's almost never really a waste because you can barter with it. So always, always factor in bartering. You see how great the Patreon comments are, how it allows us to make so many points. And seriously, I was very serious in the beginning of the show where I said, these are bite-sized chunks of practical tips and people like bite-sized. We've I already mean, gotten through four comments. Oh, my too. goodness gracious. <laughs> we have so many. We should go. skedaddle along. All right, along. so we're going to move along. So I'm going to go on to the next one. Rachel Mitchell, and I'm going to comment on this. Falling. Failing. Oh, oh, my goodness. Oh, who can't read? Oh, whose eyesight's all goofed up? Here he goes interrupting me again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry. Failing at first, in, first out. I have no idea what's in the bottom of my freezers. And then somebody, Clock Tower, comments, there's a bottom of the freezers. Oops. <laughs> so I agree. I fully agree. I have a pretty good idea about what's on the bottom of the freezer. I want to tell you kind of a story with that. We have three deep freezers, chest freezers. We don't goof around. We don't goof around. I, using the sortly method, mm-hmm. the sortly, I labeled my freezers A, B, C, and D. And I had them inventoried. So I knew what was on the bottom of my freezer. Hmm. And it was awesome. And then we moved. And everything got jambled around. So like, okay, we're going to take these two freezers throw everything in whatever's in d is now going in c and it's going in the truck and we're out of here and then oh gosh when we're moving two of the freezers the truck broke down and i'm having to move stuff around even more to keep the freezers cold while we were broken down in 110 degree heat that was so much that fun. was a party and managed to save most of it but it, as you can hear all of my organization went right out the window but i just so you know I totally hear you. I think most people are going, yeah, I got the freezer problem too. Sortly is a great way to do that when you have when you can scan in. So how do you do that, Shelby, when you have something that doesn't have a barcode? You can create your own barcode on Sortly so that they have a barcode. Mm-hmm. And then you print them out on, on like mm-hmm. a sticker stuff. And then you stick it on your, on mm-hmm. your uh, thing that you're going to put in the freezer or don't even use barcode technology at all. You just know you have... 10 one pound things of hamburger meat or whatever. So I've been there, done that. That's all jambled up right now. I have a pretty good idea when I put it all back together. I did fruits and vegetables in one freezer. I did non-beef in one freezer. I did another freezer with beef, but not hamburger meat. So we're talking your steaks, your roasts, and then another freezer with hamburger meat. So I've got a pretty good idea. Now we just need to eat it. Yeah. There we go. Well, and as we get into the fall season, we're already starting to hit that freezer pretty hard. One side note about freezers is that this is not a hard and a fast rule, but freezer stuff doesn't last as long as everybody thinks it does. I don't know exactly how long stuff lasts. It obviously depends on how you package it. I mean, just taking pork chops from the grocery store that have that thin cellophane and that uh, styrofoam thing and throwing them in the freezer, you know, that'll get you a couple months and then it's going to get freezer burned. I just find that there's this idea that if it's in the freezer for five years, it's good. Um, No, I mean, it may be, I don't know, but I'm just saying, don't count on the freezer as your long-term food storage. I mean, a couple years are probably good, but, and, and, you know, we, uh, we, with the food freeze dryer, we um, got on Facebook, actually Shelby did, and got a bunch of freezer burned deer meat um, from a guy on Facebook and turned that into dog food, right? Absolutely. So, if you have freezer burnt meat, that's now dog food. Freeze dry it and you now have dog food when the collapse happens because dog food is not going to be, you're not going to be able to find it. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So there's great alternatives to that, but also too, yeah, all of us are guilty of that. If there's one thing that you need to do with your freezers is is cycle through. And on a related note, we have John, and pardon me for the last name, Athady uh, says, lost a small chest freezer of meat one time because a compressor went out. Light was still on, so nothing was suspicious until the smell. And wow, when I opened it, (laughs) took a lot of bleach to get that sorted. Also, condensed milk does not store well long-term. Had some of that blow up, not dramatically, just can failures. And again, the smell. And I've killed more trees and plants than I care to admit. So let's take all three of those. Um, A really good point about freezers going out, the little green light that says there's power, that, that may be on, but there's power, just not to what you need to have power to, like a compressor. 
and um, you got to check stuff periodically. Um, I know it's it's a hassle, but um, I find, by the way, that in in the fall when we eat a lot of frozen, like a lot of hamburgers, mm-hmm. like fifty thousand ways to eat hamburger in the fall and winter. And we do about thirty of them, thirty thousand. Yeah, yeah, about thirty thousand, yeah. roughly. Um, and so we're going to the freezer every couple of days, and that's pretty good. But in the summer and stuff, when it's more you know, fresh meat, um, then, and it's vegetables too, apparently. Um, so there's some of that, but, um, you don't go to the freezer as often. That is a real problem. And this is just another thing you got to keep track of. And, Mm -hmm. and just because you put stuff in the freezer, don't expect that five years from now, you're going to pull it out and it's going to be delicious. Condensed milk. You are so right about Mm -hmm. condensed milk. It is one of those, I call them recipe prep foods. You keep some of it around for recipes. It's not like anybody's going to hopefully like open up a can of condensed milk and drink it down and say that was lunch. Right. I mean, that's not really a thing. It's an ingredient that goes into things more than anything. Yeah. And and it's not it's like a medium term thing. It's what we call a pantry prep. Yes. We have it in the pantry because we use it for that sort of thing. But you're right. Not all foods are created equal when it comes to durability and long-term storage. And so good for you. And, and you had some blow up, can failures. Um, I That's like, going to happen. To, oh, that can happen to anything. So give yourself some a little grace on that. Exactly. I mean, yeah. So I want to talk about his, his third point. I've killed more trees and plants than I care to admit. I wanted to address that just a little bit. Um, I all If you're doing gardening, if you're doing gardening for food, yes. Gardening, in the words of Floyd, my father, is a constant experiment yes. of failures and successes. So if you decide to put, for the first time ever in your adult life, some seeds in the ground and you're going to expect them to grow and they're going to turn into you know, this big, wildly, wonderful, productive- Garden life, of Eden. Get, please don't do that to yourself. You will most likely fail in some way or another. And then you'll be really disappointed and, then you're, gonna, and you're not going right. to try. Gardening is constant failure and finding this sweet spot of success. I'm starting in my first real meaningful year of gardening here in Western Montana. I got, I, I got, I know what my successes are and I can honestly count them. I've had a lot of failures. I don't know why, but there's a certain spot in my greenhouse. I plant lettuce and it will not come up. Another part of my um, garden, um, I I planted cucumbers for some reason. There's something in the soil in that spot not coming up. I got some bugs and some rodents that are really cramping my style and, and you know, harshing my vibe. So, um, yeah, so c- gardening is a constant battle of finding the successful sweet spot, which is why there's 10,000 books and YouTube channels on gardening. And Clock Tower commented um, on the previous thing and said a year or two ago, I saw a recommendation for remote thermostats in freezers. So I did that and have the monitors on a very prominent part of my wall. I've had times where sudden clouds to bright skies cause the change the charge controller to cause a spike that trips my inverter. So having those monitors in the house saved me that problem a couple of times. One of the reasons that this podcast is called Prepping 2.0 is we love to present new technological things, most of which are inexpensive. And this thing about remote thermos, uh, thermostats or thermometers, pardon me, thermostats, duh, they're thermometers. Again, the vision is not super good here after the uh, eye surgery. That, okay. Yeah. Um, what a great thing. We Look them up. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in. Yeah. I think that would be kind of cool to have that. Absolutely. So these are all, yeah, this is prepping two point. There's not so much great gadgetry out there that, that makes a lot of these failures successes. So, and I'm just going to leave it at that because there's so much out there. So let's move on so that we can have, <laughs> yes. get through some of these. So the one toe cutter, I think that's what the one toe cutter. I have so many questions on that name. Uh, this person mentioned could be a podiatrist. Could be. You know, how I feel about I podiatrists. I can't tell the gender, so I'm going to say this mm, person because okay. I don't want to misgender anybody. Gija. Oh goodness. Pronouns. Eggs in one basket. While in theory, it is great to have preps in more than one location. In practicality, it's not. Not until you have someone you can trust. In reality, most people have their house to store preps. No bug out place. This is where a crew mag tribe comes in. Go Glenn. Oh my gosh. Oh, what wow. a packed statement. You are 100% correct. In theory, it is great to have your eggs in multiple baskets. 
but in practicality, that is really hard to do for most people. I will say this, we have our eggs in one basket. We used to have our eggs in at least two baskets. There was our Western Washington home and our Western Washington cabin. But um, you're so right. And don't get on yourself. Don't feel like you're failing because you don't have, you know, six locations or something like that. Um, when you have eggs in multiple baskets and they're in different locations, that's good on one level, but you still have to get there or be able to communicate with people who can get there. And you have to have a way to tell people where the key to the door is or the combo lock. Again, it's a system. You have to think it all out. So where, oh, yes, I, I'm ca catching my thoughts here as I get started on this thought. It is good to have a bug out location, whether it's prepped or not. That's a whole nother ball of wax. The reason why I'm saying this is several of our Patreons and prepping friends the last few summers when we have these major wildfires and they have to have with several, especially when we had a recent event with our Patreons, several people had to be ready to evacuate. And they're and they're not just evacuating, you know, the two cats and the gerbil. They're evacuating livestock. They're evacuating major, major things. Be ready to evacuate. That means you may not be able to take your preps with you or be able to go to a place that is prepped with food and water and all the things. But have an evacuation bug out plan for that. If there's one thing I think we've all learned in the last few years with some of, the, especially some of these urban wildfires, oh my gosh, and how quickly they spread, especially when they hit a city. And somebody ought to write a book about that. Let hmm. me think about that. I'd buy that book. Yeah, absolutely. So I I encourage that. Yeah, I, and I'm absolutely agreeing with you, Toe Cutter, Mr. Toe, Miss, Mr. Mrs. Toe Cutter. Um, you may not have that place fully prepped out, decked out, but at least have a place where you can go rally point up with some like-minded people to to weather a, a, a disaster sort of thing where you will hopefully be able to return to your location. What do you think of that, Glenn? Oh, absolutely. It's more options. And yeah. options don't have to be perfect. And you have to play the cards you've been dealt. And if you don't have a million dollars or 10 million is probably what it would take, to have six perfect bug out locations and uh, have a helicopter um, ready to go. Maybe your Magnum and your buddy TC is a helicopter pilot. I'm just saying that that would be cool. Mm -hmm. He see, TC seems very cool. I would love to hang out I with know, him. I know, we just watched a couple good episodes with him. Yeah, exactly. So it doesn't have to be perfection, but options are good. So I've, I've mentioned this example to this before. Floyd, my father, lives on, in uh, the Carolinas which is hurricane in the hurricane everything every summer it seems like they're watching out for a hurricane he has an agreement with a buddy who lives in florida if the hurricane comes towards you a hurricane comes towards you you can come to our place mm -hmm. and weather it out if it comes towards us we're coming to you we glenn and shelby um it's on my radar it's on one of our to-do lists to create that same sort of agreement with somebody here in Idaho, Montana, Wyoming area where we can bug out to them if fires come because we we see the smoke from all over what, where we are and vice versa so that we have a buddy system for that. Does that mean we're going to haul everything? And No, but it means that we will come with a suitcase and probably a handful of MREs, right? Exactly. Exactly. Well, I think we have time for one more yes. for the regular show. We're going to keep going with Patreon comments in the after show. And as I say, there'll be a part two to this show. There's just so doggone much good stuff. Oh, this is uh, th our Patreons kill yeah. it every time. Exactly. Beesky yeah. um, says his biggest prepping fail, one word, two letters, me. He says, my biggest failure is me. I'm still fighting the battle of normalcy bias and getting my family completely on board with prepping as a lifestyle. This leads to gaps, lack of priority on certain preps, and a forward momentum in areas that I feel we can improve on, which I think is my delivery. When it comes to serious things, I tend to be serious, maybe too serious. Wow, unpacking that. First of all, good for you, Beesky, for realizing that 
it's it's on you. I mean, at least you can focus your efforts, right? I mean, and normalcy bias is a huge problem. As I've said all along, every single human being is negatively affected by normalcy bias. The question is how you deal with it. Do you, number one, recognize it? That's the first step. You, do you recognize it? And number two, do you do something about it? And as far as getting your family completely on board with prepping as a lifestyle, we've done entire shows on that. It is enormously powerful uh, topic. It is very impactful, very, very high priority. And in, in a couple of sentences, we think the way to do it is to create credibility with those around you. And that means not making big predictions and then they're constantly wrong. Um, there's, there's a tendency to do that in, in the prepping community. We're so concerned that something bad's going to happen. We see one fragment of information in the news and we expand upon that. You know, it's like there's a meteor's coming. It's going to wipe us out. Um, and so you lose credibility. Um, you have to spend a lot of time and this is primarily with your family. You mentioned getting your family on board and you just have to build up respect. It's a relationship. I don't know how else to say it. You just have to be there and be the one who is the person people look to when there's a, a bad situation or there's a surprise or something like that. Um, having is as simple as this. I mean, having a flashlight around all the time. So when the power goes out, you're the one with the flashlight. I carry one in my pocket with me all the time. And you're the one with the flashlight and people see, it's funny how people's minds work. They say, wow, that guy's kind of squared away. He had a flashlight and you didn't say, oh my God, there's going to be darkness and horribleness. And so I need to have a flashlight. And by the way, this is 300 lumens and it's charged on this and it's got this this throw of blah, 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 and all this other stuff. And that's another thing. Don't get too into outwardly. Don't get too into prepping because the a, a word that I absolutely hate hearing is this is your hobby. The word hobby, I absolutely detest in the prepping context. It's not a hobby. It's saving your life and the life of people you love. That is not a hobby. That is your job as a human being, and in particular, if I may say something that will annoy people, some people, it is a man's job mm -hmm. to protect his family and provide for his family. Again, if you're injured, then obviously, you know, that you've got, you've got a good reason not to do this. Nobody is going to be on you about that. But it is your job to do these sorts of things. Well, and, and Bisky, you, you said the best word to describe it. Prepping is a lifestyle. It's how you live. It's it's part of what you do in your daily routine. So, and I think that's a great note to leave on. And uh, we're going to carry this into the after show. We're going to talk to our Patreons. And so if you're ever interested in becoming a Patreon supporter and hearing what we talk about later on, go to our website, prepping2-0.com. Click on the Patreon symbol and come on over and join us over in the relaxed world of Patreon. But folks, as always, from Benjamin Franklin... You know the you know the famous words failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Have a great week. Adios. You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. All the information you've heard today, including all our previous shows, is online at prepping2-0.com. Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared.